Hello, we're pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. But it's not just about me. It is about me. It is about you, the individual. But it's also about us, caring for one another. So God has made you to be unique, but none of us are yet who we are created to be. Here's a tricky question right off the bat. What does the best version of you look like? Oh, it's a question that might take a little bit of pondering. And the best version of you isn't necessarily better than everyone else either. Okay, now we're scratching our heads a bit more. Might need some help nutting this one out. Tonight, Dr. Corbett continues the best series, not because it's the best he's done, but a series looking at the best for you. Let's join him now as tonight we look at becoming the best you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining with us online if you are as well. We are looking at the best series. This is a series that we've started at the start of the year and I'm going to do something I probably should have done from the outset and that is help you to understand what we mean by when we say the best because as I mentioned last week, the best sounds like we're trying to be better than someone else. So I want to give you a different definition of the word best. The word best is, is used in the New Testament. It's used to describe the effort that Paul wanted Timothy to undertake. He wanted Timothy to undertake his best effort. But this is how I want to describe the word best so that we're, we're kind of clear what we're talking about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. So you can see what Paul's saying here, that when people think that being better than someone makes them best, they're, they're, they're not using the right standard. And Paul is saying, we're not doing that. We're not comparing ourselves with others. We are walking our own walk with, with Christ. And it's whether we are giving Christ our best. That's, that's what's happening. And Paul says that people who think that's what best is are without understanding. So here's our definition of best. It starts with a desire, an intention, a desire to fulfill our potential by setting goals for ourselves which require planning, practice, an honest assessment of our progress and being on guard against those things that hinder this. And I hope to show you today that that's actually pretty close to how the Bible describes the pursuit of the best. There's a positive aspect to it and there's a negative aspect to it. And so the desire to fulfill our potential by setting goals. It's not that we're talking about goal setting as such, but to have something that we're striving for. In fact, I'm going to show you in a moment that that word strive, which is associated with goals, is used throughout the New Testament, including by Christ. So followers of Christ, which most of us are, and if you're not, I want to invite you in, in invite you to come home, invite you to accept Christ and become a follower. We are called to give our best devotion to Christ. That's our call. I guess you could think you're a Christian, as I put in the e-news this week, 
but never actually have an encounter with Christ, that doesn't make you a Christian just because you, you go to church or just because you claim to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who has devoted their life to Christ, not in a creepy religious way, but in a very natural way. So here's how Jesus put this pursuit of following him. This is Luke chapter 13, verse 24. Note this word, strive to enter through the narrow door or the narrow way, the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. That's a pretty frank assessment of of what Christ said is the distinction between those who actually follow him and those who don't. And that word strive is a really interesting Greek word. Agonizimai. Can you hear the word agony in that? To strive will sometimes, in, the, in English, we use the word agony, to agonize. Agonizimai. It's, it's um, to, to actually, it's going to cost, it's going to take effort. If you've ever run a marathon or something like that, you know that there's a point that you want to give up but you keep going, striving, striving. That would be kind of a word picture of that. So this word, strive, and perhaps for some of us, the idea of living the Christian life, you might think, but aren't I saved by grace? Hasn't Christ done everything? Absolutely he's done everything. And now he calls you to follow. And he calls us to follow in a way that's going to require us, he said, to take up our cross and follow him daily. And the cross is not a piece of jewellery around your neck. It's a, it's a metaphor for what the cross represented at that time. And what it represented at that time was being put to death. I want to do this, but I should do this. And Jesus said, that's going to be the tussle you have every day to follow me. Paul said in Romans 15 verse 30, when writing to the Romans, he said, I appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. I've just got to wonder, do I, like I I self-reflected, have I done that? Have Have I ever been to that point of praying that I'm striving in prayer? Because Paul seems to think there's something quite supernaturally powerful about that. I hope that God enables me to strive in prayer for each of you because I see that as part of my pastoral duty towards you, to strive, to agonise over you. And I see that's the language that Paul used as well. This is how the New Testament describes this pursuit of living the best life for Christ. I appeal to you. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and of course that's a generic brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So you can imagine the picture, the word picture here of of an altar, which was three metres that way, three metres that way, and a couple of metres high. And the priest would come and put the animal on that, that that had been slain, and it would be sacrificed. 
And that slain animal did not get up and get off that altar because the fire was a bit warm. But Paul says we're not a dead sacrifice. We're a living sacrifice. It's our choice to get on there. No one puts us on there. We choose to lay down our life. And it's my hope, it is my hope, that I'm walking that talk, not just talking that talk as your pastor. One of the key verses that we've been looking at in this best series, giving God our best, striving to be the best we can be for God, making plans to achieve the best that we can achieve for God is this verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's just pause there. Have you ever lost something today? Keys to the car? Have you ever lost something that you use all the time and I'm not looking for a show of hands, but have you ever then prayed that God would help you find it? I'm going to humiliate myself here and say, I do that. And I'm occasionally, I think, prodded by the Holy Spirit after, by God's grace, I find that whatever I've just prayed for. Now, how about seeking prayer for that which is lost that really counts, which is people. And I, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit going, man, I think I've prayed more for my car keys than I have for the lost of my town, which means my keys could end up in heaven and there are people that might not be, I don't know. But I think I need to correct that. Are you hearing me? But seek first the kingdom of God. So, I wanted to give you that little sort of life experience that we all have of seeking something. Where did I put that? Where is it? We seek. And Jesus gave those parables of the woman who looked everywhere for that one coin, which must have been of so much value to her. And she'd lost it. And she swept the entire house and then eventually found it and rejoiced. And Jesus actually says, Something along the lines of, I tell you, there's more joy in heaven over a lost sinner that repents. More joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents. Wow. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of the things that we worry about, as Kim mentioned, will be taken care of. We can worry about so many things. We can be flustered about so many things. If you're someone who is beset with anxiety, hopefully as you surrender your life to Christ and trust him that he's got it as Sue Van Dongen always says, God's got this. I like that little saying. That he will. He will just take care of it. So this is what I want to look at today in this best series. It's becoming the best you. Becoming the best you you and to remind you that we're we're not just trying to use human techniques we're not trying to use psychology or or any sort of counseling techniques or anything like that what we're doing is we want to delve into God's word we just want to take this time to delve into God's word may this time together be worship so would you pray with me now father as we open your word 
I pray that you would speak into hearts. Lord, your word says that, the, that when the church gathers, the secrets of men and women's hearts is exposed before you. And that, Lord, in that moment, I pray that there would be people who are joining with us now, both here and online, who would experience you speaking to them because you, to them, reveal that you know the secrets of their heart. And now, Lord, I pray that your word would form and shape us, heal people where they're hurt, give people grace where they are not forgiving others. And Lord, may your word now shape us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are many, many things in life that you cannot control, like, for example, oh, I don't know, when Hobart hosts the first test match it's ever hosted, and more people are going, gee, I hope it doesn't rain. And it rained. <laughs> and we have no control over that. And there's all sorts of things that we can't control. We can't control how other people behave and so on. Well, we can try, but, but ultimately, those sorts of things are up to people themselves. So there are many, many things in life that we just can't control. Now, the reason why this is so important for us to appreciate is that sometimes when we feel we have no control over anything happening in our life, it leads to extremely poor mental health. And when you think you can control certain things and you discover that you cannot control those things, it can cause you to spiral into depression, among other things as well. So it's probably from the outset, if we're talking about how to be the best you, let's, let's just appreciate there's a lot of things we can't control and let's just rest in that and know that ultimately, as Tony said in his prayer, God is sovereign. That means he's Lord, he's got it all under control. We can just rest and trust him. But here's something I think we need to appreciate, but we can control who we are. We can control who we are. I want to be someone I want to be the person that God's created me to be. I don't think I'm there yet. But when I look back over the last few decades, I can see that the hands of God have, have softened, moulded, shaped my life. And I'm appreciative of that. I'm very aware that God uses people to do that. I'm very aware that as we gather, it's an important part of us beholding the face of Christ. Because sometimes we get a glimpse like just the, the turning of a diamond in the light where you see another colour coming out of that diamond. That sometimes that's like our fellowship. Each of us are like diamonds being shaped and formed by God. And sometimes the light of Christ refracts through us in a way that we go, oh, I just saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. And, and in seeing that, you get a clearer vision of who Christ is. And so... This is based on this last phrase, it, and it's, it's, it is based on not just the Word of God. Now, I'm going to show you this in a moment. And I'm not saying that I like this because, it, because I can see it in God's Word, and I don't always live up to it. But Christian psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud, one, I was about to say one of my favourite psychologists, and you might think, how many psychologists has this guy got? Uh, I, not as a clinician, but as someone that I, I would listen to and read his material. He states this, that no one can make you feel or react in a certain way. It is always your choice. 
So when someone says to you, you made me feel, insert whatever here, they actually don't know what they're talking about. It was their choice. And we need to appreciate it, that as well. So let's have a look at some of the scriptures that, that reveal to us we actually have a lot more control over ourselves than perhaps we realise. Paul writing to Timothy, starting off in verse 6, says this, Fan, uh, for this reason I remind you, do fan into flame the gift of God. Now right there, we could just leave it there and just ponder that for a moment because what that tells us is that Paul is telling Timothy, you've been given a gift by God that you've neglected. You need to fan that into flame. And if you've ever seen billows in a big fire where there's a little ember and there's a lot of, there's a lot of fuel there, it could, it could light up. It's fan it into flame. Or get some air into that thing and get that thing, that little ember, that little spark, back into a flame. And Paul is saying that's how you serve Christ. Not as an ember, but as a burning flame. And we use the expression on fire for Christ. And I want all of the young people in our church to be on fire for Christ. That is, every person under the age of 98. Was that you, Aaron, saying preach it? It might have been a bit in Dutch. I wasn't quite sure. Anyway, get this. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of what? power and love and self-control we could see this over and over these these references to self-control it's one of the qualities necessary for an elder Paul writes to Timothy as well so God we, we when we're talking about becoming the best you that you can be we, we, we need to appreciate that Christianity is unique among the world's religions is in that it treats our relationship with God as an individual thing in other words you as an individual can have a relationship with God and we might think oh well aren't all religions like that no actually they're not the individual doesn't count it's the community that counts but here's the thing Christianity is an and not an or in other words it's not just you and God or us and God it's you and God and us and God that matters in our walk with Christ. And we're going to see that over the course of this year, I hope, that we begin to realise in our very individualistic Western world that we live in, where it's about me, the rugged individual, doing my thing, we begin hopefully to see a glimpse of Christ, that it's not just about me. It is about me. It is about you, the individual. But it's also about us caring for one another so God has made you to be unique but none of us are yet who we are created to be and there's a reason for that and that's why I think each of us need a fresh vision of who God has called us to be why do we need a fresh vision let me read this verse and let's see if we can see why Paul writing again to the Corinthians, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I want you to notice those two last expressions. Christ is the, the glory of God. He's the, the glory of Christ, the glory of God. He is the image of God. Just hold those two thoughts there for a moment. 
But then notice this, Paul says that unbelievers, those whose hearts are darkened, that's the difference between being a Christian and not being a Christian. Acts 26 verse 18, Paul says that he was called to bring, by Christ, to bring people out of darkness and into the light of Christ. If you don't know Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you may, you may have been attending church since you were in a baby capsule. You may have been coming to Christ in a pram. You may come to church in a pram. You may have been coming to church for all of your life, religiously, every Sunday, but never given your life to Christ. Just coming to church does not make you a Christian. It's a transformation on the inside, as I wrote this week in the pastor's desk, where something comes alive in us and we are transformed miraculously. And Paul says, the God of this world has blinded people from seeing that this is actually their purpose, to come to know the glory of Christ, the glory of God, and to behold Christ, the image of God, to see him by coming into the light. So Paul goes on, verse 5, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Now I want you to see this. You may have heard me talk about this before. Paul writing to the Corinthians. Corinth at this time was actually called Roman Corinth because in 146 BC or so, uh, I think it was General Pompey, had, uh, Pompey had come in and completely destroyed Corinth because it was so rampantly immoral. Destroyed the whole town, destroyed the whole city. And around about 46 BC, about, so in other words, 100 years later, Julius Caesar said, I'm going to rebuild it and gift parts of it to my, my officers who served me faithfully. And, and he repopulated Corinth. And so there's the two eras of Corinth. There's the the, the Greco-Corinth and there's the Roman Corinth. So Paul is writing to this Greco-Roman audience, so Greeks and Romans in there. And the Greeks were, were all about knowledge and the Romans were all about the glory of the Roman Empire. And of course there were Jews there. We know that because of what Paul writes. And they were all about light. Light for a Jew, they even have a festival called the Festival of Lights. So it's a really big deal. So note how Paul describes Christ to each of these audience. For God said... For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Can you see partly what Paul is saying here? Jesus Christ is not just the Jewish God. Jesus Christ is the light that Jews are looking for the knowledge that Greeks are looking for and the glory that Romans are looking for, you'll find it in Christ. But if you don't know that, you will do all kinds of things to give your life meaning, your life purpose and your life an ultimate mission and all of it will be empty. It will be. People need to come to know Christ. They need to know him. We're not talking about becoming religious. We're talking about becoming who God has created you to be and coming home to him as your father. Paul said this, and I hope you get this. This is, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. We've already seen who that is. 
and being transformed into the same image. We already noted that before as well. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So Paul is saying there, we behold Christ, the glory of God, the image of God. And as we behold him, we are being transformed just a little bit, one degree of glory to the next. This is what the Spirit of God does in us. He transforms us. So our vision of who we were created to be has been obscured by the fall from innocence. That is what, when uh, the woman and Adam uh, disobeyed God, they fell from innocence and we inherit that from them as well. So now we need to behold Christ. And this is what Paul's saying. We need to behold the image of God, not Adam, Jesus. He's the image of God. As we behold Christ, we gain a fresh vision of who we were always meant to be. And this might, this might sound like, but I'm, I'm to become like him. Can't I be me? This is the great thing about how God has made us. He's made us unique and he's made you to be you. There are some of you and you know who you are. You have incredibly quirky senses of humour. You are, to use the term, weird. You are. You know you are. You know who I'm talking about. And that's okay. And you will reflect Christ. The shape of your diamond will look a little bit different than perhaps the shape of my diamond, which... Ruby tells me, and even reminded me this morning, my diamond is very boring. You just said, you said, Dad, you're always boring. You said that even this morning. And I can't disagree with you. But there are some of you, and your diamond is spectacular. And you'll reflect Christ in all kinds of ways. You can be you. So note this, if you've got Colossians, you might want to jump into Colossians chapter 3. The epistles, uh, go everywhere, preach Christ. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to be having a look here because this is where Paul talks about the image of God and getting a fresh vision. And then we're going to come up the home stretch and I'm done. For if you've been raised with Christ, and I was so appreciative of Tom and Amanda doing that song this morning. We sang this song. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So I think the Living Bible, I remember reading this when I was about 14 or 15. The Living Bible translates this, think about heaven. Set your eyes on heaven where Christ is. So next verse, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. This is what Paul's saying. This is our home, but it's a temporary home. Our ultimate home is with Christ. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Colossians 3.3. We jump down to verse 5. I mentioned that doing our best is striving for something and avoiding something else. And I told you that the New Testament will use that same framework as well. And here it is. So there's the first three verses. We've got the this is what you should be striving toward. And this is what you should avoid. Put to death, Paul says, under the inspiration of the Spirit. Therefore, what is earthly in you? And what does he consider, consider earthly? Sexual immorality. Impurity. By the way, let's just pause there. Sexual immorality. What is that? That is sex outside of marriage. Sex outside of marriage. 
in C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, he says a society that is transfixed on such things as pornography is a society that is starved of sex and doesn't understand how God has prescribed for people to enjoy sex in its purity. And I thought, that is profound. But sexual immorality without marriage is not right. It's not God's will. Impurity, passion, another word for that is lust, evil desire and covetousness, which he says is idolatry, which is idolatry. We must put those things to death, he said. And now you must also put away, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. It's not the place for Christians to be swearing, as in obscenity swearing. It's not the place for Christians to always be angry. Deep anger is often That's all we have time for tonight. If you'd like to obtain a CD copy or premium download of tonight's discussion, then please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org, and and select the best series, part two, the best year, from our online store. You can also find the Do podcast by subscribing to, to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, that you have put Spotify, off the old self as we've heard practices. tonight, to have the best year so is to year, follow to become God's the best plan you means for your best. The and it's not a 12-month project, it's a daily one. More from Dr. Corbett next week Paul with more of the put on the best new self. Dr. Corbett is, is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College the Australia. Thank you for joining creator, us. We look forward to meeting with you again Jesus same time Christ, next week for another Finding Truth Matters. Seek Christ. Transfix your vision for life on Christ. Serve him. Keep short accounts. If you do the wrong thing, repent. If there's something that you need to deal with, deal with it. And you can become the person God has called you to be. So, this is what I want you to know. You and I were created to bear the image of our Creator. Our Creator is Jesus Christ. And you and I are called to behold Him. We do that by meeting together and beholding Him in one another. We do that by beholding him in his word. We do that by prayer, by praying to the Father through him. And we behold him. As we behold him, the word promises that we will be transformed into his likeness. Would you please stand? I'm going to come back after this song, after this worship song, and I'm going to pray that God would help us to live out His Word. And I'd appreciate you praying for me that I'd have His help to live it out too. As we've heard tonight, God made each of us unique, but none of us are yet who we were created to be. So we each need a fresh vision of who God has called us to be. More from Dr. Corbett next week with more of The Best Series. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again, same time next week, for another Finding Truth Matters.